Hi and welcome to this week's episode of the DW Podcast. My guest this week is TV presenter Jean Johansson. Thanks very much Hello. for coming on. Oh, delighted to be on here. I, I really enjoyed your podcast last week with Amanda Knox. What a great guest. <laughs> Thanks very much for checking it out. Uh, a tough one to follow, I'm sure, Jean, but I'm sure you'll get there. Well, yeah, I'm not as controversial as her, but yeah, we'll, we'll have a good chat nonetheless. Brilliant. Looking forward to it. So uh, what's been happening with yourself? How are you coping with lockdown? <laughs> oh, just about survived it. It has not been easy. You know, me, Jonathan and Junior, I've, I've been like every other family stuck at home trying to get through homeschooling and just being together all the time, which has not been easy. I'm grateful. You know, I've got a, a good size house and I've got a good big garden. So that has been an absolute saviour. And I feel for anyone that, that hasn't had outside space during this lockdown because my solace has been being able to go out in the garden. Jonathan's became Alan Titchmarsh, by the way. He's <laughs> built a greenhouse. He's got really into plants. Like, that's been his thing. Uh, I've been homeschooling junior and, you know, just trying to do some writing and stuff. And just keep busy. It's, it's not been easy. But now that we're coming towards the end of it, hopefully, I'm starting to feel the gratitude for the time the three of us had together. Because, you know, last year when Jonathan was managing and I was busy traveling and placing the sun, we had didn't have enough time the three of us so I'm just I'm grateful for this time now now I can say that at the beginning I was freaking out but um I think we're going to move out of it hopefully soon and safely so we've survived it the Johansons are all right we're not divorced I'm glad to hear it <laughs> I'm not divorced that's terrible brilliant so uh, how's it affected work because I know that obviously with your work certainly most recently you've you've been doing a lot of traveling especially for a place in the sun yeah. and, and going abroad I mean big Big shocker, the minute the announcement was made, all my contracts got suspended, so all my work just got called off, obviously, because it's impossible to make telly, you know, in most circumstances and be be safe and socially distant. So that was really worrying for me and a real downer, um, especially when you work in telly, because when this stuff's going on, you want to be talking about it and you want to be reporting on it. So that was a shame. Can't travel, so a place in the sun completely came to a standstill. You know, we're all watching the government, the production company that makes a place in the sun. We'll be watching the government to see when we can get back on the road safely. Um, Animal Park looks to be going back into production. I filmed that at Longleat Safari Park. So I think we can do that safely with the animals and with me and a cameraman and the keepers. So that's a bit of good news. But, you know, everybody in my position, everyone in the media, your sector as well, um, everyone came to a standstill and we all just pray you know, it comes back and um, and everybody gets their jobs back because it's not been an easy time for freelancers and journalists and people in the media. It's not been an easy time for anyone. Let me get that um, out there. But while we're talking about my industry, it's been a tough time. Certainly. And taking it way back to the start, then, Jean, you were obviously born in Kenya, came to <laughs> Port Glasgow when you were one year old and uh, you've been here ever since. And I believe that yeah. your, your first uh, foray into media was... Obviously, you were on STV uh, in the weather, but you were also a TV presenter for children's TV, weren't you? Yeah, I was a kid's TV presenter for years. Uh, to go back to the beginning, because a lot of people ask me um, how I ended up in Port Glasgow, but my mum's Ugandan, my dad is Scottish, they met over in Africa, and um, and then my dad got a job in Scotland, in Greenock. He could not have picked a more glamorous <laughs> location. Um, he got a teaching job, he was a teacher, so we got a house in Port Glasgow, and that's where I, I grew up. Um, the place that made me Port Glasgow. I love Port Glasgow. Um, 
And then, um, yeah, when I left school, I went to an open audition at BBC Scotland when it was in back in Queen Margaret Drive. And they were, Blue Peter was coming off the air for, for the summer for the first time ever. So they wanted re- to replace it with a show that was sort of anti-Blue Peter, that was everything Blue Peter wasn't. So they were looking for these six uh, presenters and, and I became one of those presenters. So I had about 10 years in kids TV, a, a great time at CB. BBC and the Disney Channel and travelled the world and I had a great career in, in children's TV but your viewers, uh, listeners might know me better for doing the weather on STV, um, not my finest hour but a good challenge in my career and then I'm a presenter on A Place in the Sun which is a much loved show that we all watch on our days off and when we're, we're at home and uh, I do Animal Park and, and the one show which I'm really proud of as well so I've, I've had a good uh, I've had a good run career-wise it's it's been good. A few ups and downs, which we'll probably talk about, but largely I've had really good experiences working in telly. And do, do you think that your, your upbringing in, in Port Glasgow was a factor to that, Jean? Because I know that you've been very vocal previously about, you know, that there's not enough regional voices on telly, you know. And oh, absolutely. Yeah. Still, still, I don't think, I think sometimes I, I look at myself, think the battles I've had to fight being working class, being a black woman and just being a woman in um, Terry, it's been, it's, it's, it's a lot. And I still don't see the big changes I would like to see. There are not that many people that sound like me on TV. We've got Bloody and Kerry, who's, who's great, but TV's still very right and it's still very middle class. So I, I feel proud that I've, I'm flying the flag. I mean, I've been sent to elocution lessons in my career I've been sent to try and you know polish the way that I speak and I've just always fought against it for better or worse I'm sure there has been jobs I've lost out on um I've got a Port Glasgow accent no matter where I live in the world I'll always have this ingrained in me you know it's the first 18 years of my life and I'm yeah growing up in Port Glasgow definitely has made me who I am you know I think I'm a bit tougher than people think I am with my daytime TV persona because I grew up in Port Glasgow but I have to say a largely really happy childhood I felt really protected and I felt part of a really strong community and there's a lot of people now with everything that's going on in the world a lot of people a lot of Scottish people as well talking about their experiences of growing up with racism and it is most definitely there and I've experienced things as well I mean when I was 16 I got my first job as soon as I got a national insurance number my mum was like you need to get a job so um I got a job in McDonald's drive-through in Greenock and, and one day someone came in and spat in my face and called me a black bastard and that happened to me when I was 16 and it was a kind of a, it was a real shock because I'd never had that kind of racism in my face like that I'd had microaggressions and I'd been called names by kids but that really sort of awakened me to the whole thing and and it took me a a long time to sort of deal with that mentally so I've never been scared to to speak out about racism but I'm also very protective of Scotland because I grew up with so many people who backed me and would stand up for me and just wouldn't put up with me being called any names and or anything like that I mean for my older siblings I think it's a bit tougher for them especially my brothers um but times change and that's why now was a really important time to to help those changes and and speak up and speak out it's really interesting that you touch on that because we're we're going through you know this point that I I see is kind of a a point in change in history you know people are becoming 
you know, people are very much becoming more uh, awakened to what the history, say, of Glasgow, for example, you know, uh, the, the tie-ins that that had with the slave trade and the slave industry and, and how that city was very much built on that, you know, and it, I mean, you, you says that, you know, you weren't subject to much racism, you had the odd names and things there, but there is very much a, an underlying issue. And I think to say that Scotland isn't a racist country would be very naive, you know, the, the example that yeah. you gave there. Uh, and McDonald's is, is the perfect example of that. Like, uh, for where I'm sitting, you know, uh, I find that totally alien. I can't imagine that happening. But there is people out there with this hatred and, you know, bigotry ingrained in them, isn't there? Well, yeah, we know all about the bigotry and sectarianism in, in the west of Scotland. And that's out there for everybody to see all over Scotland. Are we, not, we don't really talk about that. We kind of just accept it. Um and I think racism can be the same in a way. It just it's just something that's kind of there. So now is a good time for me where I'm seeing loads of people speaking out and, and speaking against it. And that is that that is is so important and it's a great thing to be happening now. And I hope it makes change. And all we you know, I'm happy that the discussion's opening as well because for me, I don't want the names, street names in Glasgow to be changed. You know, that is our history. It happened. Let's stand in it, own it talk about it and it is what it is and you know loads of bad stuff happening in history but we need to use that as a way to make sure it doesn't happen again in the future so I'm happy to walk down Buchanan Street with someone from another country and tell them why it's called Buchanan Street it's you know that that's a good thing and I wouldn't want to see just my opinion I'm happy to discuss it with people who disagree with me and I understand why people do but I don't want to see street names being changed in Glasgow or Edinburgh I just you know it's it's our history and it's what we were involved in as, as a country and it's what we did and it's there for everyone to see. Sure and, and talking back not to hop back too much to it, but you know you mentioned that instant in McDonald's Jean talking to you just now and knowing you the, the way that I do you're obviously a very strong character and you've not let it phase you too much in your career you know you've went on and became a real success of yourself but at 16 years old that must have been. Oh it was horrific it really um it was a bit of a defining moment, actually, because it, it kind of made me a bit scared of of the public, if that makes sense, because after that, it was like, well, anybody can walk in and do this to me. I'm not not in my hometown anymore where everyone's got my back and everybody knows me. And, you know, I'm, this person's just been able to come in here and do this to me. And, it, you know, still now, today, I can still remember how humiliated and degraded I felt. And every time someone says something racist to you, that's how it feels, you know. It's um, and it's I want people to know what happens to me as well. It happens to everyone, whether they choose to talk about it or not. But it was a defining moment because after that, it really made me think about what I want to do with my life. It really did, and I think it was maybe about two weeks after that I signed with a modelling agency in Glasgow, mm. and I think they they took me on, and and I had many great years with them, and I had a great agent. Um, but I might not have done that if that girl didn't come at McDonald's. I loved my job in McDonald's. <laughs> I loved making money. I might have just stayed in my job in McDonald's and maybe not. I'd always modelled a little bit here and there, but I maybe wouldn't have had the fire to sort of go, right, I'm going to, I want to make more money. I want to do something. I want to chase my dreams. And maybe that that girl that came in and spat in my face in McDonald's sort of pushed me forward to do that so sometimes there's always there's always light that comes from a bit of darkness I think and I'm a very determined person at 16 I wasn't oh, oh, oh yeah. um at 16 I did I didn't have the tools to fight back to this person but now 
Bist du auch Virgin? Ja, ja. Das ist ein bisschen gut. Ähm, oh, so, uh, at 16, ich hatte nicht die Möglichkeit, die Person zu fighten, aber ich habe sicherlich do have a voice now, so it's important that I use it when I have to. And what about your, your first step into TV then? What was your first experiences? Was, you know, My first experiences in telly are, are great. You're a popular person, Jean. <laughs> well, my first experiences in, in telly have been, been really good, actually, and, and BBC Scotland back in those days really nurtured me. I didn't have any experience or anything, so you know, to be taken in, to be taught, to be trained was was amazing. So I'm so grateful. Again, this happened in Scotland, in my own country, where they, they basically pulled me off the street and made me a TV presenter. So I'm so grateful for that. And I've just tried to stay true to myself the whole way through my career for good or bad. And it's not always been easy. I mean, I'm talking to you on a day when I posted about an experience where there was a time when I really wanted to get into sort of football and sports presenting and the sports news desks because, you know, I've been with Jonathan 22 years now. So one thing that a lot of people don't know about me is that I, I love football, love the Premier League, love the Scottish League, got really into the Scottish Championship when Jonathan was managing. So mm -hmm. football, especially when Jonathan was playing in the English Premiership, I was watching a lot of football. So in my presenting career, I thought I want to go for these, some of these big jobs, you know, that Kirsty Gallagher's got. And, you know, that was the dream for me. But, you know, as, as I put out in my, in my tweet this morning, I went for a job and the, the feedback was that, you know, her accent's not right. And now looking back on that, it's like, was it my accent? Because there's a lot of sports shows with no diversity. There's a lot of great Scottish sports broadcasters. I mean, how many can we name between us? You know, Andy Gray, um, for bad or good, Ali McCoy, Graeme Sunit. We just, you could name all our great Hazel Irvin, the legend, Dougie Donnelly, legends. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We've had Ailey Barber now. We've always had a tradition of great sports broadcasters. So to come back at me with oh yeah we love Jean but you know our accent could be a problem is it my accent I'm not convinced about that so these are the type of microaggressions you have to put up with and and I, there's so much shock in the response to that tweet I put out this morning and I don't understand the shock like things like this happen all the time it's like normal everyday thing for me in this industry and I, it just is that the shocks may be there because you know people who are in a different position you know from example myself who's white and male m might not see that you know on a, yeah. on a daily basis so when you put that out there you know the, the first thing I thought was oh my god that's ridiculous <laughs> that's absolutely ridiculous but for yourself this might be a challenge that you have to face on a daily basis and I think the more that people like yourself use your platform to highlight the inequalities and, and the injustices out there it's, it can only be a good thing. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one. I've talked about this with friends privately, stuff that's happened to them in the industry as well. It's not easy to call it out, Derek. Mm -hmm. It's not. Like, people are saying to me, oh, name the broadcaster, name who it was. You do not want to go back to battle with people who can affect your career. You know, you don't you don't want to have fallouts with people in this industry. It's, it's really small. Everybody knows everybody. And... I posted that to show people some of the microaggressions and BS that I have to go through to name people, start pulling people down. You know, there's a real pile on in cancel culture. And 
for you know, good or bad, that's just not who I am. For me to be responsible for taking someone down, I'm not comfortable with it. I, I will speak out. I will always speak out. This happened a few years ago. And another reason that I feel not to dredge it up is that now there's, you know, we've got Alex Scott, we've got Enya Luko, we've got Jermaine Jane, that's a brilliant, brilliant um, ethnic minority presenters in sport now, and it can only get better. I know today there was a, a joint letter written by and David Beckham and some other high-profile people pushing for more diversity in sports reporting and, and sports media, and that's all I ask. So, you know, we're all getting the job done. We're moving forward. I hate looking back. But sometimes when people are having discussions, you just have to go, well, look, here's what's happened to me. So here it is laid out in front of you. So now you get it. <laughs> and, and as you say, it must be a challenge because you don't want to upset people. And on the other hand, you know, that, that could essentially affect you even more in your career. You know, you've got barriers to face without rubbing people up the wrong way, even if, you know, they've just and, you know, I've always been a person who I'm much more comfortable fighting for other people. You know, from my social media, there's a lot of causes I feel passionate about. But when it comes to fighting for yourself, sometimes it's not easy. And, you know, just recently I got into trouble because I'd called out a production company because I thought that a production that they had made wasn't ethnically diverse. You know, within minutes, my agent was called the conversation got really ugly. There's little microaggressions being put in, like it won't be easy for her if she doesn't take them down. You know, it, it'll be hard for me to work with her. So it's not out and out racism or discrimination, but it's little threats being put in and it, it's not nice and it's not what I want. I don't want to fight with people. <laughs> I just want to do my job because the best form of revenge for me is my success and my continued success. But that was that happened in Scotland, Derek. You know, I called out a Bank of Scotland commercial and the next minute all hell breaks loose. But, you know, maybe it's not up to me to decide whether commercials, you know, TV commercials are ethnically diverse. It's up to you. It's up to, to the viewers. It's We all have the power to speak to advertisers, casting directors, big corporations and go, oh, that doesn't sit well with me or it only takes a few characters on Twitter and they'll listen to you rather than listening to me who might just look like, you know, someone who's just saying it for the sake of it. But that happened to me last week on Black Tuesday. My agent was called because they criticised a lack of diversity and representation. So these are the things you get back. You don't throw a stone and then get nothing back. I threw a stone and got a boulder chucked back at me and it was a horrible experience so I can go back to being 16 with someone spitting in my face and called me a, a black bastard a, you know a black bitch and then there's today in 2020 there's people phoning up and threatening my career these things are really happening I like what you say is there Jean about you know it's it's not me that should be saying that it's it's you and other people on Twitter because I find myself at a bit of a crossroads just now because I very much want to speak up and, and see how I feel, you know, about discrimination and racism. But on the other hand, I feel like it's almost preaching to people without having that life experience because I haven't experienced that. And someone that you know very well, you know, uh, Darren McGarvey, who obviously wrote his Poverty Safari book and uh, does, does some rap. Oh, he's stuff. brilliant. He, he recently used this column in the Daily Record to give 
black and minority yes. ethnics a chance to speak, and I thought that was brilliant. But I, I find myself at a crossroads in terms of what what should I be doing? You know, what what should I be saying, and how do you do that without sounding patronising or condescending? I think Darren's just a great example of it. He's fearless and. He's got such a big influence as well, and he's using it in such an honest way. That's what I like about him. So he doesn't always get it right, but he's really honest, and it's so brave. He works for the Daily Record, and he sort of went, I'm not going to do my column this week. I'm passing the mic to someone who can talk about it from experience, and that says everything. But, you know, my dad's white, half my family's white. That doesn't give you a pass not to talk about racism or call out discrimination because you don't know what it feels like. We all have black friends. Some of us have black and mixed race families. And we all just know the difference between right and wrong. So, you know, when you see it, you just, it, it, we've all been in that position when we're sat in the pub having a laugh, there's a conversation and there's one person that says that thing about Muslims or about black people or there's a joke that's not quite right and we all just kind of sit there and gloss over it don't we it's really hard to sort of very uncomfortable. I don't think what you're saying is correct and you're not you know we very rarely do that so I think you have to start in your own friendship group then you start with your followers then you're starting with what you see on Twitter and and then your own workplaces you can question why you don't have certain employees whether you know representation is important gay representation in your office you know disabilities race within your own organizations so if anybody was asking me for you know my opinion or advice it'd be just start in your own world if we all do that we'll get there does that make sense that's solid and sound advice you know take it on board you touched earlier, not I'd rather certainly talk about yourself, but you touched earlier, you know, that your husband's a football player as well. And obviously he played in the Scottish Premiership and the English Premiership and many times for his country, Finland. But another thing that, that I feel, obviously we've talked a bit about black and minority ethnics and discrimination, but I also feel that, well, we know that women are also discriminated in, in culture. And I think round about the times, you know, the David Beckham's coming through, your Wayne Rooney's, and there was this whole wag culture and I think the way that the, the papers painted that as well was very negative. It was, you know, this connotation that people that are married to footballers or dating footballers, you know, they aren't very clever and they're living off their wealth and they're out shopping. And, you know, you, you're the perfect example of someone that's not done that. You know, you're a very successful woman in your own right. And do you ever feel that, that you get tarred with that brush as well? Or? Oh, all the time. I think um, when the whole wag phenomenon broke, it kind of... Um, it wasn't good for my career because I was going to a lot of TV meetings in London and you always put a few words on your bio about it. So, of course, I would say, you know, I'm happily living with my... And because I was into football and wanted those type of jobs, I would say that I was married to Jonathan. Um, but, yeah, of course, you know, there's people that will jump onto those negative connotations and place them on me. And, you know, I've had a lot of girlfriends from that world who have never worked a day in their life, who just do spend all day shopping and doing nothing and getting their nails done. That's fine. No judgment. Be fabulous. They are not hurting anybody doing that. But I've always worked. I've always had my own career. I've lived away from Jonathan a lot when we've been together to do my own thing. And that's just just who I am. The WAG world was also a very white world. You know, um, the girlfriends that they would feature and wives were always white. So I was never really pictured or mentioned within that world. It was an exclusively white space, another one. 
that you, you don't feel that that had too much uh, a negative or positive influence on you? you seem to Not too it. much. The honest truth is Jonathan was never that high profile, you know. He, he, you know, he had a great first season in the Premiership and there was a time in London where you were, you were getting better tables in the restaurants and a few people knew who he was from watching Match of the Day on a Saturday night. So, not too negatively. Has there been people that have probably judged me because of married to a footballer? Yeah, but they're not. I don't think they've done me any harm, and they're not very. It's, it's, it's not relevant, you know. It's especially in the grand grand scheme of things, it's not something that's affected my life or my career too much. I don't think. You know, obviously living in a, a city like Glasgow, like you touched on, you get such a sectarian divide there. And obviously, Jonathan played for Rangers. Was that ever something that came into play? I mean, obviously. Well, do you know? Jonathan's really lucky. He's been one of those Rangers players who I think was kind of. I could be wrong, I'm sure people will tell me, but <laughs> Celtic fans have always sort of gone easy on him because he's ne- he's never got, uh, he's just likeable. You know JJ, you yeah. worked with him when he was at Motherwell. Mm-hmm. He's a likeable guy who's never um, courted any controversy or, you know, he loves Rangers. He's not afraid to talk about his love for Rangers. That's his club. But um, I'm from a mixed family in terms of Rangers and Celtic fans as well. So I've always quite cleverly walked that line um, I'm a Rangers fan. My son's a massive Rangers fan. But in terms of sectarianism, I've managed to sort of not, you know, I've got friends on both sides. So, and I know when to just keep your mouth shut and not get involved in things. <laughs> Quite right. When well, it comes to Celtic Rangers, that is. <laughs> <laughs> you can't always keep your mouth shut, Jane. You need to speak out sometimes. But I yeah, I mean, I, my experience of Jonathan being at Rangers as a coach and a player are full of amazing memories that being such a great club and you know all positive all positive you know Jonathan's time at Rangers is it's just full of full of good stuff let's talk about a bit more positive things then uh, yeah you, what about yourself and uh, a place in the sun animal planet you know even master chef recently let's talk about that what was your your highlights from recent years and I'm very very on some of the things that you do and tell it to be honest because you're always like, really locations, like doing things that <laughs> some people could only dream of you could say well I've worked hard to get those things you know I I'm a, I'm a manifester I think about things I started thinking about MasterChef two years before I got on, got on it and my agent will, will tell you I will sit and go I want to be on MasterChef like I was tweeting I want to be on Celebrity SES that's the next thing I really want to do <laughs> Um, so I've got a good way and, and when I went on holiday one year I started taking little vines and Instagram posts and I just was putting it out there I want a travel show I want to travel I want to do some presenting in the sun and these things have, have, have came to me so I've, I'm really into visualizing things um, and I feel like you know I really I really really wanted to travel in my job and I've been lucky enough to get that with a place in the sun which is just the best job ever it really is as much it's long filming days but it's as much fun as it looks filming in the sun I always have a great laugh with the house hunters um you know taking them showing them around people's properties all we want to do is have a nosy in other people's houses it's the best thing yeah. ever so I get to do all that in that job a celebrity master chef was probably one of my high points just to be in that kitchen I'd sat and watched it me and Jonathan watched all of them professionals non-professionals and then I was walking in and the big M was at the back of the kitchen and John and Greg were standing there and I'm just like holy shit I'm on <laughs> um, 
And you you know, if you watch that, I'm smiling the whole way through it because I just can't believe I'm on MasterChef. But I had a great time, you know, when they sent us out to um, a five-star West End kitchen to work in the kitchen, I thought there would be people off camera helping you out and helping you do your chopping and, you know, we'd all be set up. It wasn't, it was like, you're in this really high-end Mayfair restaurant the lunch service is coming in thick and fast. The chefs shouting at you. Everybody's ma- and I was there putting out putting out food that real people were actually eating. It was one of the best experiences ever, and I made a really good friend in John Partridge, who went on to win um, Master Chef. So experiences like that are real, real. You had a real good cast as well, Jean, didn't you? You had was that was it Dolly Parton's sister? Yeah, I didn't go on with her. Oh my god, I would have loved to go on with her. I had Spencer from Made in Chelsea, Frank, Frankie Bridge, which was lovely because we ended up having loads of wag friends in common, me and Frankie. Um, who else? John, who won, and Anita, who's like a, a, a carry on actress, like from the 60s and 70s, a really esteemed actress. And I just loved being around all those people but I, I did have imposter syndrome you know in the first day when you walk in I'm always on time I'm, I'm a real timekeeper except for today when I kept you waiting half an hour <laughs> um, so I, I turned up I was the first celebrity to arrive so I was sat there not knowing who would be in my group and then one after one these people were walking in and and I was just like you have those moments where you're like, why am I sat here? Is this a prank? Am I being punked? Like, how, how am I on this show? This is Celebrate MasterChef. So I often in my career um, have had those moments where I've, I've pinched myself and just not believed it's happening. So I'm, I'm practicing being more present and taking it in at the time because it goes like that. And then you sort of remember, oh, that happened to me, I actually did that. So, yeah, this year, definitely, especially since work's been taken away from me with COVID, when I go back to work, I'm, I'm going to be more more present. And one of my best jobs I haven't mentioned is People's Postcode Lottery, where we know each other from. Close. That was just, you know, to be able to knock on people's door and change their life with a check was, I only got to do that for a short time, but it was one of the best things one of the best jobs I've ever had and I've got a lot of love for that company and the charity that they do and the, and the people that work there so that's up there with one of my my best jobs of all time. I think all the all the jobs you've had sound really exciting Jean, and, and yeah. one that really jumps out to me is Animal Planet it seems to have been a you know you've really made it your own and some of the experiences you must have had for that are amazing. Oh god Animal Park is just. I call it Animal Planet though sorry. Animal <laughs> Animal Planet sounds good. I'll put that one forward to the producers. Um, Animal Park is just brilliant. I've had some real magical moments on that. Some real... uh, There's an elephant there, you know, if you watch the series called Anne, and she was a rescue elephant. Um, She got rescued from a circus and Longleat took her in to rehabilitate her. And I swear she has a soul and a heart and... I, I feel as if she she remembers me when I, I go back every year. I know that sounds silly, but uh, elephants have got a real energy. Same with the rhinos as well. They're just the sweetest animal to be able to rub behind their ears and rub their tummies. And, you know, you've got this big animal that looks like some kind of fossil from prehistoric time, but actually they're gentle and they've got feelings and it's, it's lovely to be around them and lovely to be part of the co- conservation with with 
the rhinos and a lot of the other animals on the park because you know for all you might think of safari parks and zoos from working at them I know the conservation that goes on and I'm, I'm really proud to be a part of that but just other little animals like having a tarantula in your hand that could poison you and kill you or never sometimes you think I am not getting near that well, it's never the scary ones because it was actually a billy goat that knocked me on my arse of all the animals on that part. We've got grade one dangerous animals and it was That's a billy goat that got me. <laughs> so, no, I've let go of a lot of fears and um, I think I'm in tune with a lot of the animals. There are there are a lot of animals that scare me. Um but that's the job of the keepers. And if they can take away my fears, then I can tell you on camera as well. You know, I had a poisonous toad in the last episode and it was, I, was, I hate, I'm not big on amphibians, but holding it there and being able to have a good look at it, I just recommend to anybody, if you go to any zoos or get to handle any wildlife, do it because it will, I've had a an eight foot boar around my neck, you know, it took away all the fears I had about snakes. So if you've got any fears, that's the best way to get rid of them. Would you say that the, the elephant's been your highlight then? Is that your, your best pal on the show? I love Anne. Um, oh my God, I love the aardvarks. They love a cuddle. They sleep a lot, but they love to cuddle in. So the aardvarks are so cute. I don't have a favourite. There was a ram that I loved that passed away. A ram, like, who just had the most, Tyson, who had the most beautiful spirit, loved him as well. Who else? I love them all. There's so many, so many great animals there. And there's a, there's a, uh, we've got a big reptile called um, Iggy Pop. He's amazing. So yeah, you have to be careful not to humanise them, but I love them all. And I can't wait. I'm so happy I'm going back to work. I can't wait to see them all because I've been hearing that animals are miss in zoos are missing visitors. You know, it's getting them down. So I need to go that's and talk really to the keepers. I need to go and talk to the keepers and find out if that's the truth. So that's all the fun things I get to do on Animal Park. And it's such a great show and I'm so lucky to be on it. Hopefully it won't be long until that one's back up and running in a place in the sun. Maybe. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, it's it's looking safe to, to be able to return soon. So hopefully I'll be back. You'll see on my Instagram when I'm back there. That sounds exciting. What, what's uh, what's the year got ahead for you then apart from this? Because obviously we touched on at the start, you know, this has been a very challenging time for all, but certainly yourself is work evolves around traveling and, and being out amongst people yeah I mean this has been such a tough year in terms of COVID and the pandemic and the worry for my parents who are elderly my dad that's been shielding family and friends so we had that and then lots of stuff that's going on in America politically has really permeated the UK so it's pulled up a lot of um a lot of difficult discussions a lot of feelings for me personally so I've had to deal with that the government <laughs> We need another podcast for that. The Dominic, Dominic Cummings incident made me so angry. I've got a sister in London with a nine-year-old who I haven't seen and she's been desperate to come up here and she didn't because she was following the rules. And then when you see people that are, are a part of the government not following the rules, that made me really angry. So I've been in a bit of a funny place. There's been a lot of negativity around. So now I'm really trying to be more positive moving forward. Uh, I know that my work will come back when, but when it's safe to do so. And I think everything that's been going on has gave me a new motivation. So when I get back, there's going to be more emails going out. I'm going to be pushing for more screen tests. I'm going to call out people who 
are not doing the right thing, in my opinion, in the media in terms of representation and and getting all of that right. So I think when I come back, I'm going to have a new fire in my belly and, and keeping it positive. You know, I don't like being an angry person. I'm not an angry person. You you know me. So uh, I need to keep a smile on my face this year. New challenges. Maybe a reality show with some challenges in it. Uh, but I'll be pushing for a lot of stuff because for me, the best thing I can do is stay on telly as a working class Scottish black woman the most powerful thing I can do is keep getting shows and keep having my face and my voice out there and and that's what I'll be doing this year for sure I like to hear it I'm going to be back in your region something thank you positive mental health that I, I noticed you've done at the start of the year as you you cut out the the bevy and the the meat and you've done really really yes. well yes I'm so annoyed about that three months I didn't drink and I love the bevy I didn't drink. I went vegan. So did Jonathan. He's still vegan. Um, I just, I was in. He's still doing it, eh? He's still doing it. Yeah, he looks great. He's in the best shape. Um, So I I was all good. And then the pandemic hit and I just, I I just reached for my old friend, the bottles (laughs) of wine. And then that leads to the hungover food, which is not dairy free. And I just plummeted. So thanks for bringing that up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you were positive as, mental health as part of my positive mental shift I will try and get I'm running again so that's good I couldn't run for a long time I felt absolutely floored by this pandemic and all the issues so I just started running about a month ago and I'm getting back into that so you're so right you know a positive mental attitude is one thing but you have to be completely in, in line and in sync and that means a good healthy lifestyle as well so less bevy and more of the good stuff <laughs> how did you find going vegan because I, I in my mind I would love to do it but I, and I know this sounds ignorant and lazy but I just could not cut out cheese I know for a fact I couldn't even no. do without cheese it's weird what gets you because I love a steak a really rare steak with a nice bottle of red wine so I thought it was going to be steak chorizo ham you know <laughs> all that stuff that was going to get me it's not I missed cheese I miss cheese. I miss an egg in the morning. I miss the bar of chocolate. And they've got a lot of um, substitutes, but they're just not the same. But do you know what, Derek? See, once you, four weeks, see if you get past four weeks. And a big good thing to do before your wedding, because it'll get you feeling really energised for it and looking really good. Four weeks. You look great, but you know, we all want to look the best for our wedding. So, But oh. do you know the best, the benefit of it? My sleeps. Really? The weight loss is a byproduct. So I was sleeping much better, the weight loss, but the energy, getting up eight o'clock, bright eyed, bushy tailed, ready to take on the day, rather than I've had that bottle of wine before, a wee bit sketchy in the morning. It takes me a, a minute to get myself together. While I was vegan, um, I was just full of beans. So oh. that would be the biggest reason I would tell you to do it, is just to feel that energy burst, especially when you get to our age, Derek. You know, you got to sort of. <laughs> do everything to stack the odds in your favour. That's hilarious. What have you got planned for the weekend then? I know it's locked down and we're struggling to find things to Actually, do. Actually, I've got I've got a girlfriend's birthday that I'm hosting here, just three of us in the garden. Um all my girlfriends turned 40 this year and me as well. Um and we just can't have to but I had a huge big party in Glasgow planned. Um None of us could celebrate that amazing milestone. So I'm having my girlfriend over. I've got some balloons, got loads of champagne, and it's just going to be us in the garden. We're supposed to be in New York, 
Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's one of those things we'll look back on this year and, and always remember all the little nice things that we did as well, like just sitting in the back garden and getting pissed, you know, because there was this worldwide pandemic that came to get us and we kind of fought through it and, and came out the other end. I hope that's the way we look back on it one day. Where was your party meant to be in Glasgow? What was your nightclub of choice? I don't, I'm not, I don't do nightclubs here anymore. Uh, I like Kelvin Grove Art Gallery. So, oh, you nice. know, something fabulous, yeah. like 200 friends, loads of drink, great music guests. But I'm, I'm good to do it next year. I'm actually good to delay turning 40 another year. So, result, <laughs> win-win. That's brilliant. Well, I hope you have a cracking weekend, Jane. Thanks so much for... You too. And good luck with the podcast. I'm a huge podcast. I'm, I'm loving all your music guests. Love La Fontaine's, love St. Phoenix. Uh, so, yeah, keep pushing that sort of Scottish music scene because I love that. It's funny you say I'm that. Podcast. I'm sure the last time I seen you, we, we were both dancing about Glasgow Green to the La Fontaine's about two years ago. I don't ago. want to talk about that. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but how much have you missing music festivals as well? Transmit was just sort of getting in to the groove of being a brilliant festival, uh, festival and then it gets called off, so... I hope the next time I see you, we're dancing to La Fontaine's, you know, that'll be good. Very much looking forward to it, Jean.